0: Connie. Y'all may be seated. Well, some of you got the memo. It's good. We should have lumberjack games or something like that on this day, right? Somebody want to take that up next year? Seriously. I think that would be awesome, you know? how? F- what is it? Pole throwing? What is it? What else is there? Like you know, how fast can you cut down a tree? Got a couple out front we could try on, <laughs> right? I mean, it would be a blast. It'd be a blast. Hey, uh, some of you were like, "Hey, where are the donuts and cider?" Right? You came. You might have come earlier. Thought you came early. Um, <laughs> and uh, sorry, that was all right. It was true. Some of you thought you came early, and you know, you're still like struggling. Anyway, but uh, afterward. We'll have them. They'll be out there. Hey, we're uh, we're in a in a series uh, called Pre Decide, and I'm not sure today who I'm going to be talking to, uh, but maybe all of us, and it may not be all today, but at different points in our lives. Uh, do you ever feel like giving up? And I'm not talking about the final give up, you know, that type of give up. But give up, right? Because you've given yourself to a goal. And, you know, in your 20s, you kind of thought you're going to take the world by storm. By the way, I'm speaking from Wins I Know, right? Some of you are like, yeah, I remember those days. Thought I would take on the world, change the markets, do all this stuff, right? And it's just not come to fruition, like I thought, right? You, you were thought you were gonna go into your industry or your vocation, and you were gonna be the change maker for everyone and everything. You were gonna make this seismic change, right? And then you get to your 30s, and you realize, wow, there, there are these things that if you're married, if you're not, there are other things, and I promise you there are other things, it, you may have children and they start to kind of gather around your ankles and you have fun with them. I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, you have fun and you realize, whoa, wait a second. If, if I'm going to change the world, then I have to ignore them. I mean, seriously, right? And so those goals, those dreams, those visions, uh, if you're single, it's the same way. You start to kind of go, wait a second. Am I going to give my whole life to my workplace? No, so you have to. You start to realize that there's more dimensions to you, and so you you realize that that goal and that dream and that vision. But then you hit your forties and you realize, whoa. Some of you are heading that way. Some of you are there. Then you hit your fifties and go, wow, the world I was gonna shake up's not too shaken up. I'm shaken up. <laughs> right? I mean, I've talked to a few of you men, and you realize, whoa, wait a second, Huh? I'm not sure my purpose anymore. Sorry, maybe I've called you out. just don't know my purpose anymore. I thought it was this, but it's not that. I really kind of have lost myself, right? But maybe it's not always that, but maybe you had this vision, this goal, this idea, and there's just some resistance to the, the progression of it, right? I mean, it could be some of the things I named, but maybe it's just inside the vocation itself, and you realize, whoa, but then there are other things that transpire. Some of you actually spoke them out in praise. You're fighting for a relationship. Uh, maybe it's a marriage that is not heading in the direction or the dreams or the goals you desired. Maybe it's you're, you're fighting for your sons or daughters because you realize the direction and the trajectory they're on is not going to end well. They're choosing disobedience to Jesus over obedience to him maybe it's you're a son or a daughter in here and in the relationship side you're fighting to have a relationship with your mother or father or you're not wow that can stall things it can make you kind of go whoa that's not what I thought was going to happen I feel like giving up you prayed for the salvation of them You hunger for them in ways that they don't hunger for themselves, right? And yet, it's not happening. It's not happening the way you thought it was going to. It's not happening in the timeline you thought it was. It's not happening. I mean, it's all there. All you want to see is just the incremental changes, just a little change. And yet, for some of us in this room, Some of us see a lot of it in the direction we want. And others, as we sang the song Free at Last earlier, some of you are like, that ain't my story. I could feel it. I felt the spirit kind of whispering in my ear saying, you have some that don't feel that right now. So, the title. The title, Do You Feel Like Giving Up? I mean, come on. It's a real thing, right? Well, we've been walking, as I said, through this message theory, series called Pre-Decide. Today, we're concluding that series with this title, Feel Like Giving Up. But what we have discovered is this, that the quality of our decisions determines the direction of our lives. And so, as followers of Jesus, we can pre-decide before we get into situations that we're found ourselves in, before the emotion overtakes us and we lose our way in them, we can pre-decide about them. We truly can. Uh, Not because you're special, by the way. Sorry. Um, I was reminded in a leadership team meeting, and rightly so, not about me, but about all of us, that sometimes we think way too highly of ourselves Absolutely correct. It's called pride. It's called arrogance. So we have walked through these uh, these messages, uh, uh, these six different areas that we're pre-deciding about, and so I would like you to join me in just reading them out loud to say, we are ready, we are consistent, we are devoted, we are generous, we are faithful, we are finishers. We are finishers. Hmm. We're not going to wait until the middle of a moment before we decide. We are pre-deciding as followers of Jesus that we are going to be today finishers. And the quality of which drives those, uh, there's a quality which drives those which we tend to admire. There's a difference between those people that are fulfilled and those who are empty. Those who seize success over those who struggle. It's it's this one single, this one thought, this one concept that uh, I think Paul tells us to pray about, and I often pray for you and for myself about. It is this: it's perseverance. Those people who stick to something are truly the otherness type of people. And when I use the otherness type of people, let me just tell you where I'm getting that from. God is an otherness type of person or God. In fact, the whole concept of his holiness is really caught up in this otherness because it's hard to contain, it's hard to understand, and it's hard to to grasp. But as his people, we're called to a holiness, we're called to an otherness as a people. And so perseverance, truly, those who finish what they start are an other type of people because we have in our vocations, in our lives, in our neighborhoods, uh, maybe even in some of those places of our hobbies have come across people that do not finish and do not finish well. Uh, Angela Duckworth wrote a book called Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. She says this, enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. As a psychologist, she began to ask why people who advance through all types of personal backgrounds, I mean all types, why do they advance? Why do they continue? And what she found is it's not the smartest student in the class. This is the crazy thing. She became a teacher after another career. She became a teacher and then wondered why, how come the smartest kid in the class was actually doing more poorly than really the one who had, as she now calls it, grit. And she, she found that it, that's the ish, issue. It's that they have this passion that is combined with perseverance. And over the long haul, it is what makes the difference between somebody who we tend to admire that makes it to where we want to be or where we think we should be and those who don't it's not iq sorry smart people in the room i tend to like that though <laughs> it means there's hope for all of us right and this is why we're pre-deciding to be finishers if things get difficult and by the way does anybody have a difficult week in some way shape or yeah there are, there's are some honest people yeah, whether it was internal or external, see how, how uh, tough weeks get? Uh, we generally have it. We pre-decide. When we commit, and this is what we're pre-deciding, when we commit, we don't quit. When we commit, we don't quit. So why don't you just say this with me? I'm a finisher. I am a finisher. So how do we strengthen this perseverance muscle? When all the world and Satan is pounding at our doorstep to just step away, I mean, seriously, it's like, yeah, I don't need to go to that thing. I don't need to show up to that. I don't need to be there. I mean, I mean, it. I mean, so much so we're like the leaves; we're just falling away. I mean, seasons demonstrate a lot of things to us. But how do we strengthen this muscle of perseverance that we're gonna? how do we do that? Well, this morning, we're going to do that by taking a look at this little communication between Paul and his young Padawan, Timothy. Paul loved Timothy, and he did not pull any punches. Paul loved Timothy, and he did not tell him a lie. Paul loved Timothy and told him the truth, didn't tell him the easy way out. Now listen to this. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful, faithful. I don't know how to turn my pages. There we go. Can I just tell you that this truly is love? Some of us do not like this. We've had an earlier conversation about this, but when we tell people the truth about ourselves, about about ourselves, about them, but more importantly about God, it's love. It truly is love. Please do not capitulate to the cultural norm of like, well, I don't know if they can handle it. Let God be the decider of that. Let God do that. But Paul says to Timothy this, hey, hey, you're following Jesus? Guess what's gonna happen? It's not gonna go well, always. It's not gonna feel like you want it to feel. You'll have hard times. But he says, Uh, In spite of that, and in light of that, continue to share the good news that Jesus is alive. Sin and death are dealt with in and through Jesus, and keep on the mission that Jesus has called you to. And you think this is for little pastoral Timothy. It's for every single one of us to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Paul shares that his life is being poured out. My death is near, he says. Now, what's the backdrop of this? A little different from our culture, but we might we sometimes find ourselves writing ourselves into this narrative. Uh, they were being persecuted. Nero, uh, Nero had sentenced Paul to a beheading, and so this emotional letter is written from the heart of love to Timothy, for the, for <laughs> and for the Lord. I mean, Paul's writing it out of this like, hey, uh, there's there're going to be some rough times ahead, uh, but that's not all there is to the story. He says, I have fought the good fight. And say this with me if you can. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. Now, I just want to remind you, why do we say things out loud? Last week we talked about it. When we say things out loud, it's stronger than saying things in our head. Because when we say things out loud, we start to, we start to reorder our brain chemistry. It's neuroplasticity. We reorder it to obey. Obediently follow what we say. When we think it in our heads, it kind of just stays there and it bangs around. Sometimes we're able to put it into practice, but when we say it out loud, we're able to put it into practice. We're able to believe what Jesus has said is true. So Paul states that he has finished his race and he's reigned faithful, yet this is what I know. We, each one of us, have not finished our race yet. You're breathing. You're here. This is the beautiful thing. You you have not finished yours and I have not finished mine. God has more for you. He has more for me. He has the kingdom life that he is birthing still within you that he wishes for you to give away. It's, It's your job to connect and to give this kingdom life, the Jesus life, away. The love, the grace, the mercy He's flowing it through you, not just to give it to you, but give it through you to others. Yet, as we have started, you may be finding yourself in a place of discouragement today. Just, it's just not, it's, this is the place and space you've never thought you would be. Uh, for whatever reason, you're a little discouraged and you feel like just hanging it up checking out, Uh, you know, it's saying, I'm done with this goal, this dream, this idea. I feel like giving up, but can I just tell you that there are more people to share and show the gospel to? There are new missions and new ministries that he desires to birth through you. He desires to birth through you. God's got more for you. He's got more for me, and Paul's saying to you, look, 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 you're not where I'm at yet. But when you get there, you will be able to say, I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. Some of you are saying, and I heard you this morning, but it's more out of another reason maybe. I'm so tired. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm tired. I'm busy. Anybody relate? You got more than you, more than you can do? Sure, sure. Where does this tiredness, where does this stress, where does this feeling come from? Well, Dave Allen, in his book, Getting Things Done, says this, much of the stress that people feel doesn't come from having too much to do. It comes from not finishing what they've started. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know where that's parking right now but I th- I heard the moan. Right? You've started th- stuff but you've not finished stuff. You you began things but it's still sitting there to be finished. Whatever it is, right? So some of the stress that we may be feeling is not about what is for us to do but what we have yet have yet to finish. You've not finished what God has called you to do. You've not walked through what he's already told you to be about. I want us to kind of move into a more of a posture of prayer in these moments. So that means that you might, to, to be open, you might have to close your eyes. You don't have to, but I am going to pray, and then I'm going to walk you through a few things that I would like us to think about in our minds. Father, we collectively pray, show me what you want to show me. Speak to me. Speak to us. I'm going to ask you a question. And I want to see if the Holy Spirit doesn't give you an answer to this question. And this is the question. What have you started that you have not finished? What is is it that you have started that is left undone? Holy Spirit, reveal to us. What you, Father, have prompted us to do, yet we're leaving undone. Revelation 3 says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Friends, do you ever feel like that? You may look like a strong follower, but you're actually Not doing what God has called you to do. And Jesus is saying, through the Holy Spirit, wake up, strengthen what remains. In that scripture, he says, I found your your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. So the question is, what is your unfinished business? Staying in a posture of prayer, what is your unfinished business? What is that as a follower of Jesus you were prompted to do, yet you're supposed to do, you thought you were supposed to do it, and you have not followed through to finish? It may be a number of things. Perhaps for you, you were going to try to heal a broken relationship and you never reached out to somebody. Maybe for you, God had prompted you to share your faith with somebody and you haven't maybe you're supposed to give to somebody and you didn't maybe you're fo- supposed to finish your degree i i don't know i don't know what it is for you but the holy spirit may be bringing to your mind what that is so what is your unfinished business allow it to sink and allow the spirit to search your heart. I love the I love the advice that Paul gives to the Corinthians. They were going to give big and they started but they couldn't follow they didn't follow through. And he Paul says, "Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year when you're when you first when you were the first who wanted to give, yet you were the you were the first to begin. Now you have to finish yet. So what is your unfinished business? What is it that God prompted you to do that you haven't done? What divine assignment has he given you? Remember that every decision you make is actually a vote towards your future every decision you make is a vote towards your future. Every time you decide in the moment, you're voting for something, some direction, some way. When you stand strong in the Lord and persevere, you don't look back, you don't back down, and you back down, you finish. You've, you continue to vote for the fact that you're going to be a finisher, that you are going to persevere, that you, when you commit, you don't quit. You're always voting. You may open your eyes. Uh, As you came in, there was a handout given to you. You don't have to share this stuff with me. But if there's something that the Lord prompted you to do, don't wait, (laughs) write it down and follow through write it down and follow through when I was a freshman in high school I went out for football yep I did Uh, there were three sports in my high school three, three that guys could be a part of football, basketball, and baseball yeah I know small school and it wasn't a Christian one either (laughs) it was a public one we were deprived weren't we Come on, we were deprived. (laughs) We had three sports. Well, I played basketball, and I played basketball, you know, in elementary school. They have those pickup things, and middle school, there's no such thing as uh, traveling teams or anything like that. Thank the Lord. Um, That's just me. But I played football my freshman year. Now, um, I don't say this... uh, I played football, I was probably 125, 130 pounds my freshman year, if that, um, same height I am now, go figure, right? And and, and this this was high school football, JV football, but our team, our school, as I've already kind of indicated, was pretty small, so practicing meant practicing against the varsity and the JV at different times, there I was, JV, team, I, you know, like I said, uh, may have weighed 125, 130 pounds at the time, and a wide receiver. That's what they wanted me to do. I mean, I, I just couldn't imagine being spread out like that and be split in half. I just couldn't think about it, right? But I remember, right? I remember sliding in the back of my mom's Buick Regal two-door. Uh, there were four of us. And all of us were, except my mom's like five foot, hi mom, I love you, but you're like five foot five or less and the rest of us are over six feet tall climbing into this car. But I remember just sliding into the back of the car and just just moaning after every, almost every practice. And she, as I told you last week, mom, this is uncharacteristic for our family. She said, you know you could quit. I'm like, no, no I can't quit. There are multiple reasons why I couldn't quit—small school, a lot of other things—but I had committed to it. I committed to finish the season. I just couldn't imagine uh, walking away. It's just the thing, right? To so vote for your future. Acts 20, 24 says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the good news of God's grace. The good news of God's grace. Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing. he's, He's talking about his dreams. I mean, he may have had dreams, he said, but all of them are nothing compared to this. Some of you, again, someone here needs to hear this. If you're, if you're thinking about quitting, God may have called something God had called you to start. It, it may be because you, you care something about something more than you care about God. I know that rubs, but it may be true. If you're thinking about quitting something that God has placed you and called you to, uh, prompted you to nudge you by the Spirit and you're thinking about quitting, it may be just about this idea that your, your passion for Jesus isn't there. Paul filled in the phrase with life. But my question to you is, where, what would you fill in this phrase? I consider my, and you know what it is, nothing. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What would fill in your blank? My personal comfort? My financial worth? People's opinion? personal hopes and dreams. Obviously, they're going to be maybe a little more specific, but how do you finish? How do you run your race? Well, Paul has clearly stated you you run to God. You run in his grace. You don't run from his grace to be able to give his grace, mercy, and love away. So, as we consider this idea of being a finisher, how, how, do you, how do you want to finish a race? Or how does anyone finish a race? As some of you know, I've run a, a few road races in my day, and it simply is this. You take the next step. Just take the next step. As, I, as we said earlier, our race does not end today. We simply take the next step with Jesus and for Jesus. Our our prime example of one who finishes the race because he is the one who did it right, he did it perfectly, he did it wholly is Jesus. We look at Jesus, how he did it. The end, as we know, was powerful and emotional, Yet what we see is one who took the next step on the mission placed before him. Even before he took the next step uh, that last evening, he prayed, can this cup be taken from me? But on the cross, after taking each faithful step after another, he looked to heaven and cried out to his father what? He cried out to his father saying, it is finished. And then he committed after committing his spirit and breathing his last. I mean, his, he did everything his father had put before him. And how did he do it? He took the next right step. That's it. Week by week, month by month, year by year, taking the next faithful step, fully devoted to the father. When they hated him, he loved them when when they struck him he gave them the other cheek when he was carrying the cross and fell he got up and took the next step when he was mocked he asked the father what oh don't forgive them no he asked them to forgive them you see jesus lived what we have been talking about he predecided in life and in mission That he was always ready, that he was always consistent, he was always devoted, he was always generous, he was always faithful. And he finished what he committed himself to, what he, can I just say it, coveted himself to. Far before we have any cognition of who he was or what he meant to us, he had coveted himself to himself. So the question is, as we follow Jesus, as we declare in our mission statement, What are you going to do? What am I going to do? Our trajectory is always to what is easy. It is always to what is easy. It's towards what is convenient to us. And the devil will want you to quit what God has started you on. So what are you going to do? Well, you can say this phrase to yourself. When I commit, I don't quit. When I commit, I don't quit. When I commit, I don't quit. I don't know how this is going to play out in your life. Maybe you're just about to give up, yet you decide you're going to say one more prayer. You're going to make one more call. You're, when it's difficult, you're going to give one more gift, right? Right? When they heard me again and again and again, I'm going to forgive them just one more time. I'm I'm sending one more email. I'm running another mile. I'm memorizing another verse. I'm going to take on another lesson. I'm going to learn from him. I'm I'm asking for another meeting just in the hopeful desire that maybe, just maybe, I'm talking to my child again and praying for my child again. I'm loving my child again, fill in the blank for whoever that may be. I'm going to show back up. I'm going to show back up because he shows up for me. I'm going to continue to do that when everybody else says, you know what? I, I want you to dream that dream. I want you to stay in that game because when you commit, you don't quit. That's as followers of Jesus. You just take another step. You just take the step before. You just take that other step. But they knock you down. You get back up. When they tell you you can't, just believe with God's help. With God, you can. You run for God, and you take just another step. What do you do when you have when you have no more, you've forgiven with every bit of faith you have, when you loved and they continue to take advantage of you, when you've given and they don't care, when you prayed and you see no results, what do you do when you've tried to run and you don't have the power to in, in your own legs and strength to take another step? Derek Redmond gives us the great example the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, was a, uh, he was a British athlete, a runner, a sprinter. It wasn't the final race, but he was the, a potential favorite in the 400 meter, and he got off to a really good start midway through the race. You can find this on YouTube, friends. He ruptured his hamstring, pulled up, and just fell to the ground. Well... Every Can you imagine all that time, all that energy? Most of his life was given to getting to that place where he could then be in the finals. This Olympic dream crushed knowing he literally does not have what it takes to do what he's called to do. And one of the most emotional moments of Olympic history, amongst others I am sure, his dad was in the crowd. Maybe you remember watching this, or seeing the uh, pre, you know, the other reviews of it. But he got up out of the stand as Derry got himself up and began to run back. And I, I watched this again with fresh eyes this the other day, and his dad comes underneath him. He's already up and beginning to hobble back. And he he turns into his dad. Just like some of you want to do right now. And he wept. He wept. Because he knew that that dream was gone. Yet his father took him, and this other official walks up and wants to kind of help, and his dad says, I mean, I don't know what he said to him, but he motioned him to get away to stay away from my son and he puts his arm around him and all the way to the finish line what i want you to know and what i hope that you grasp from that illustration is that you never run alone you never run alone Paul says this in Philippians 1, 4 through 6. In all my prayers for you, I pray always with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the day, first day until now, being confident in us that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When you're weak, your heavenly Father is strong and you'll never be alone, you'll never run alone. So the question is why is it that so many people quit? Why is it that so many people walk away? Why do they quit on their dream? Why do they quit on God? Well, a quick and probably blanketing observation is quitting's an option. Do you see that? When we think that quitting's an option, then we give up. We stop I don't know how many times I've been on my bike going, I cannot get up this incline. And I've hopped off because it's an option. Or I've been running and I've stopped. Instead of the mindset that, oh, you, you don't stop, you fall over, but you don't stop. And when you fall over, your Heavenly Father will be there. What if it wasn't an option for us to? What if we, we seeded that deep within us that quitting is never an option? What if when we get married, we get married into a covenant, not a contract that said, well, you know, if it works, but really that one that says until death do us part, one that honors marriage from the very beginning? What if God, when God calls us with a vision, with a dream, We we really believe that if God is for us, no one is against us. What if instead of walking away and quitting on God and quitting on his bride, may I just add, that's the church, by the way, we ran to him with our doubts. We went, you know, Lord, I don't understand. Guess what? He is big enough to take it with our fears, with our disappointments, and try, cried out to him saying, you know what, I just don't understand, but I'm gonna cling to you because there's no other way. You and I may struggle, but I pray we will seed within us that will never quit on God, on his mission, on his church, on his on what he's called us to. Why? Because we're followers of God. We're followers of Yahweh who has always been faithful from the very beginning today. And we have this mindset, if we're not careful, that we can quit. We can step away. It's okay. But ultimately, he is the finisher. He is the author. He is the perfecter of our faith. When he started it, he will finish it. Can somebody say, I don't quit? I don't quit. Why? Because I'm a finisher. Why? Because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who dwells within the grand deposit within our souls that gives us the power to override and and to, to triumph where others don't. To continue when things seemingly look bad, but remember what he has promised us. That he has defeated all, and that our home is with him. He is the finisher. Let's pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would do a deep work within our church. I ask, Father, that you would individually speak to us that are, are, are just on the verge. We feel like quitting, but, Father, let's not follow our feelings. Let's follow the truth of your love. So, friends, as we went through the exercise earlier, what unfinished business do you have? Father, by the power of your word and the truth of your spirit, empower us to be faithful to what you've called us to do, to the run- race you have called us to run with you. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Don't stifle his work that he wants to do amongst us right now. Father, Stir within us. Reveal in us any place that we have unfinished business. We have something to give, an encouragement to offer, a blessing, uh, something to start, something we need to go and redo, something we need to try to undo. God, speak to us. Give us courage where there's fear. Actually, bring love where there's fear. Father, I pray that you would help us to run for you every single day, that we would pursue the goodness of our Lord by taking the next step to finish. Father, remind us of the words we want to usher to our kids, our grandkids someday when we're lying on our deathbed. May I be so morbid, but it's true. That we can look at them as Paul writes to us I ran a good race. I'm finishing my race. I've been faithful to God. I passed the baton on to you. And just like Jesus said that it was finished, may we say the same thing that it is finished. That it is finished. What did Jesus finish, though? Yeah, Jesus finished the reconciliation that is needed for all of us because we've all messed up. We've all sinned. We've all done those things that we we feel bad about. We're ashamed about what Scripture calls, what the word, word of God calls sin, and and God's a holy God. Scripture says he can't look upon or tolerate the sin. He has to punish it. And so instead of punishing us in that sin, he sent his son, who became the one who was without sin. Jesus gave his life on the cross, for you and for me. He was in the innocent sacrifice. He did the work and said, "It is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He gave his life as the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus the son of God died, he was buried, and 3 days later the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. Why? Because Jesus was not there. He had God had raised him from the dead. So what does that mean? That means that anybody and that includes you who have yet to say yes to Jesus and follow him that Jesus finished the work. He, he gave you a way to step away from those things that you feel bad about that you continually and perpetually do and follow Him. He showed us that how He lived in love, that, that God forgives all our sins, that He makes us brand new, that He is the author, and He starts, what He starts, He will finish in you and through you for your good and his glory. Some of you today, can I just say, some of you today need to restart your journey. Yep, yep, we, we would probably call you a follower of Jesus if we didn't know any better, but you know. And it starts with just confessing that you have stepped away. And then for those of you who have never stepped into God's mercy and forgiveness. You can step into his mercy, forgiveness, love, and grace. You can pray the prayer that's on the screen, or you can pray your own authentic prayer to God, and it's simply this. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me for my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow love and live for you in Jesus' name. Father, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that your son showed us what it meant and what it means to finish and finish well. I'm so grateful, Father, for the Paul's pen reminding us that while we keep our sights and our, we keep looking at Jesus, that Paul could usher those words, that he had finished the race and that he had stayed faithful and so can we. Lord, help us to take the next step in our journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen.